take a moment. Um, we, uh, you heard a lot of those prayer requests. We had a, a lot of requests of, uh, of grief and, and some people that were still remembering, you know, even behind some of those sentiments, uh, that, that it's been a year of, of mourning. And I, um, just as, as I was hearing this, and I, I've always, uh, remember something a pastor in Bible college said, I don't necessarily agree with him at all. Um, but, but nonetheless, there's an, uh, an aspect of it that's incredibly true. He always said, he always said, I hate, I hate doing weddings and I love doing funerals. And he said, I hate doing weddings because there's all this celebration and all this money spent. And these two people have absolutely no idea with what they are getting into. <laughs> so it's all fantasy, but in moments of grief are actually some of the moments when we're the most honest with ourselves and we recognize what really matters in life and we're reminded to embrace what we have been given. And so I know as, as, as we have people across our church that are grieving in this season, I know that their, their heart is soft, but their eyes are always open to the fact that today matters. And so let's just take a moment and pray for, for all of those who are, who are grieving this morning. Lord, we thank you for that your word tells us to mourn. It tells us to mourn with those who mourn. It also tells us that you wept, that you identified with our need to feel, our need to have closure, our need to have an experience of loss so that we can understand and move on. And all across this church, as many are, are, are still grieving, and we've lost our our brother Dave Mays this week, a man that of 86 years that walked with you, and even in his discomfort in his last years was still the man you rarely saw him without a smile on his face or a positive life-giving word to speak. So, Lord, we thank you for that testimony. We thank you that as others go on, there's, we're reminded that there's always something we can learn from them, and that's exactly what we are supposed to do, to embrace the life of those that have gone before us and say, Lord, now what can I take and be empowered by through this man's testimony? So, Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in our midst. Now, may you be the God of peace, the God of eternal perspective, the God of comfort, the God who sees to those who are grieving may we walk forward together as a community of faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, somehow I'm going to transition from, greet, from something very serious to something really stupid. Okay, you ready to transition with me? I want to give you two uh, really, really bad jokes. Okay, well, I've kind of had this theme to start these messages with bad jokes. Okay, so... This time, as we just come off of Turkey Supper, and it is Thanksgiving season, we're going to begin today's message with two really bad turkey jokes, okay? Here we go. And you guys can scale. Today, I, I am not much of a hunter, okay? But today, I shot my first turkey. You know, congratulations or anything I did. But the people in the frozen section, the grocery store manager, were incredibly not nearly as happy as I was. But nonetheless, I did it. Second, uh, I also want to tell you that, uh, I don't know if you guys heard, but a turkey farmer, there was just, this just made news, a turkey farmer was experimenting with ways to make a better turkey, and after many frustrating attempts, the farmer announced, I finally did it, I finally bred a turkey that has six legs, and they're like, wow, so how did this, how did all of this affect the taste and, and cooking and everything? And the farmer said, 
I have no idea. I've still not been able to catch it. So, so we've been doing this, uh, this, this series called He Is, and I've been sharing with you Old Testament, uh, from Old Testament Bible characters' perspectives. And, and we have made the decision, we're going to kind of continue this on into the Christmas season. So next week will be our last He Is series. And then we're going to do this uh, throughout the Christmas season, and, and we're even going to up it a little bit. We'll do it in costume, and I'm going to get a little, I'm getting a little help from some of you um, as well that are going to be doing this uh, with me as we uh, give, give messages and character going into the Christmas season and see if you can find yourself in the middle of these stories. But what this He Is series has been about is how we have such a hard time with the Old Testament sometimes and understanding, you know, there's, there's awkward, there's strange stories in the Old Testament, especially last week we talked about Joshua and, and how all these things are, are, are connected and what they mean. And so we want to give you a perspective as if these, these Old Testament characters were coming back from heaven and giving this message to you directly from their perspective. And so today we're going to hear from David, and after we pray, I'm going to begin uh, sharing with you from the perspective of King David in the Bible. If you need some context for where he's talked about, we're, we're in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. That's where you hear the accounts of King David. So let's begin uh, with a word of prayer over the word of God. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Now, in this moment, we get to open up the texts that have been inspired by the Spirit of God and passed on from generation to generation and are now in our hands. Let's just have some reverence for that truth this morning. We get to hear the word of God in freedom. Thank to, thank you, thanks to the sacrifices of men here in front of us and those that have served our nation, but also to those that have gone before us and, and fought for the, the freedoms of the gospel. And so, Lord, now we must take with great reverence this freedom that we have, that these are not just words on a page, but they are living truth inspired by the Holy Spirit, that if we are ready and we are willing, we are not stuck in our old ways and our old patterns, we are ready to let the voice of God speak to us in a moment like this on a Sunday, on a snowy Sunday morning, our life can be changed. So, Lord, we invite your word into our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, my name is David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He lifted me up out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock. In you, Lord, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are my God and my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart and who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. These are all my words that I'm sure at some point in time you've read. And many of my words, well, have been placed into some of your worship songs and some of your hymns. And personally, I'm a little frustrated. I have not seen any royalties for any of that so far. But you sing my, my psalms and 
You know my words. Sometimes you didn't know that these things came from me. Just a man, just a man like you. And if it's been a while since you picked up the Psalms, the book of Psalms, it's, it's a big book. There's a lot of them. There's 150 of them. And I wrote, uh, I'm, I'm the writer of the majority or the most of them. And there you see what happens when just simple men and women have a relationship with God and can write their expressions, their real experiences and express them themselves. And so you'll find something for you if you open up the book of Psalms. But today, I'm sure there's other things that maybe you remember me from, whether you knew I wrote most of the Psalms or not. You've sung many of my lyrics. But I'm sure you remember the story of me and Goliath, which he was kind of a sissy, really. I don't know why everybody kind of makes a big deal about him, but I took him down pretty quickly with just a slingshot. And I know you know about the David and Goliath story. You might also know that I was a mighty warrior that that they said of me that Saul had killed his thousands, but David killed his tens of thousands. But you probably also know of me about my failure with Bathsheba. And when I made a big mistake. But I'm able to talk to you today as a man who made a big mistake. And to be honest about it and say that life didn't end just because of that mistake. I had to suffer consequences for that mistake. But I also had to be honest and say it was not anybody else's fault. But mine. The text reads in the, in the springtime when kings went out to war. I, I stayed in and I found I saw someone bathing on a rooftop. And yes, one thing led to another, and the king fell. The king made a big mistake. But I was actually commended as a man after God's own heart, even after that mistake, because I turned to him and repented and and was restored in this experience. And maybe if if you, speaking of Psalms, if you ever pick up Psalm 51, what a great place for you to begin to understand where you, where you can find yourselves in your moments of sin, in your moments of failure, in your moments where you know you drop the, the ball and be reminded that the story is not over. And my story was not over with Bathsheba because through Bathsheba, eventually my son Solomon came. And Solomon, it was through Solomon that the, my line came. And I'll tell you a little bit more about my line in just a minute. But my love for God, as they called me a man after God's own heart, my love for God didn't begin when I was promoted to king. It didn't begin when I was anointed king, finally anointed. It it began when I was doing an everyday task that all my older brothers really didn't want to do. I was simply tending sheep. There's something, there was something unique about me being alone, all by myself, and you know, frontiers miles away from my family, having to sometimes get my sheep from point A to point B. And it was just me, the only man there, the only boy there. But I also had a responsibility for all of these animals. And there's something about being alone and having responsibility. And in these moments, I began to realize where my true sustenance came from, where my true provider came from, or my true source. And in those fields, when it was just me by myself with all of these sheep, I fell in love with the living God, and I learned how to worship. I hope you have the privilege. I hope you 
learn to take advantages of your opportunities and create some space for you to be alone with the living God and allow him to speak to you and become a worshiper. I was blessed in that, that through my line, through, through my family, through my grandkids, one day the Messiah would come. Now you read in my story, but for me it was always about a better king that was coming. It was always about the Messiah. My life pointed to a better king. And so today, let me tell you who he is. First, he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Revelation 5, verses 4 through 5. Here's what it says. One day, one day he's coming back and it says, I wept and wept because no, because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. And then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, that's me, has triumphed and he is able to open the seven seals. Now, maybe you've heard that word before. Maybe you've heard that word before, the lion of the tribe of Judah, and even wonder what that means. Well, it was believed that through my line, uh, through, through, through King David, but also through the tribe of Judah, which I fell into, that goes all the way back to the 12 tribes of Israel, and through this line of Judah, through this line of David, that one day someone is going to come who is going to be able to, to, that, to basically open that scroll. But the lion, the idea of the lion, was someone who is going to come and, and basically conquer Rome, conquer the powers and the authorities of that day. And that language, one day he's ultimately going to return, as you saw in Revelation. But this language reminds us that the Messiah came, that God always had a plan, but he was coming to destroy Babylon and the kingdoms of man and set up a new kingdom. He was coming to do something that nobody in all creation was able to do. But here's the key point. He was coming. He didn't come, excuse me, he didn't come in the way everybody wanted him to. I got a feeling you've heard this piece of the story before, that you've prayed for something and, and God did not respond the way that you wanted him to. And you kept praying for something and you, you had an expectation for how this should work out for you, but God didn't come the way that you wanted him to. And this is the story of the, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's come through David's line. He's come exactly how he is supposed to, exactly in accordance with the will of God, but it was not to our, uh, to our personal expectations. He is the God who comes at the right time in the right way, but not according to your expectations. And you maybe heard the song lyrics, God is not dead. He is surely alive He's living on the inside, roaring like a lion. And God today is still alive, but he works in the hearts of men and women like you. And it's through your choice to yield to the power of God that you, and, and allow him to be your king that you see this power, that, that this power at work, his lordship at work 
He's, one day he's going to come as the Lion of Judah, but the, but the truth is that he really already has if you'll choose to let him roar. Now, secondly, he is the good shepherd. 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 37. But David said to Saul, your servant has been, this is what I told Saul, I said, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. And your servant, uh, both, the, the, both the lion and the bear, this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. And the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And then Saul said to me, go. And the Lord be with you. This is what it meant to be a shepherd for me. This is what it meant to prepare. This is what prepared me for battle. But it wasn't just the bear and the lion. It was understanding in this moment the God who sustains me. The God who walks with me. Who is for me, not against me. And this shepherd has come. And here's what, it, here's what he said about himself. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd laid down his, lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. And the man runs away because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. He is the good shepherd who cares for his people. And finally, Psalm 23, 1 through 6. This is how I've come to know my shepherd. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Today, if you believe that Jesus is the good shepherd, you know how to follow him. You know how to recognize his voice above all other voices in the world. Again, I encourage you to make some time to pray, make some time to worship. Create a history with God. Create a history with Christ, with your good shepherd. And finally, I want to tell you, as I was believed to be the greatest king of all of Israel, I want you to know that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. In Revelation 19, 15, or, or excuse me, 1 Samuel 13, 14. This is what was said of me. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. This is what the Lord said of me. And then he said in, in First Chronicles, it was said of, of, of me. David captured a thousand of his chariots, seven charioteers and 20,000 foot soldiers. He hamstring all but a hundred of the chariot horses. Uh, that's, that's, not the, that's not the text I wanted, but that's okay. 
Um, but, but David had slain his thousands, and, and, and Saul had slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. But, but it continues to emphasize that David was the, the greatest king in all of Israel. See, the world needed a type. It was never God's will to appoint a king, but the Lord needed someone who was honest, someone who was just, someone who spent time with the Father, someone who was imperfect, but admitted his faults and was ready to face the consequences for his actions. As Revelation 19, 15 through 16 says, the verse that was read this morning, coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which he will strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe, on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I, David, was just a type, but one day someone is coming who all will see and all, who, uh, all will know who he is and see the scars on his hands. See, the key point is that one day Christ, the true Messiah, the true King of Kings and Lord of Lords, may come for a mo- will come for a moment of judgment or he will come for you as a moment of your victorious king. See, that's that is the <coughs> excuse me, that's the piece that many of you don't understand. Someone says, well, how is he coming for judgment and how is he coming for victory? Which one is it? Yes, it's your choice. He's either coming as your victorious king who you have chosen to make king of your life in this moment. Or he's coming to judge all the powers and principalities because he's also coming to, to judge all the powers and principalities of this world. And if we're united to those things, if we have another king and today... The greatest king that, that, that is often the biggest bastion to, to, that keeps us from the living God is ourselves. We like to sit in that chair of king of kings and lord of lords of our life. And one day a day is coming when he will judge everyone for the opportunities that they have been given for what they know. And he's coming as the king of kings and the lord of lords. So for you, you're making that choice now. Is it a day of victory for you? When he returns, or is it a day of fear and a day of judgment? Because whether you're ready for it or not, this is the message of the Bible. He is coming. Yes, he is coming. Nearer now than when you first believed. He is already the King of kings and the Lord of lords, but not all have seen him yet. But some, and some of you here in this room, have seen him, have experienced your king. So can you tell others about your coming king? Can you recognize the responsibility you have to make Jesus your king of kings and your Lord of lords, to make him uh, the one that is lifted up and elevated over your life that you point to, that it, with your life you are working to build the kingdom of the living God? See, someday... Someday we're all going to, to get it. And maybe you have those moments. I, maybe you have those moments where you get chills sometimes where realizing these aren't just words on a page. This is all real. 
it's really happening in my midst. There, is, there are powers and principalities at work, and God is, is calling me to a better life with him. And if I will receive that, I will experience that. And I will experience him as my Lord. But there's also other times and many times in our lives where we run from that. And, and sometimes I was, there was times as David, I was, I was off on my own way and, and making my own choices. But the Lord in his grace brought me back to truth, brought me back to repentance, brought me back to restoration. And what happened to me happened publicly. But I, I even began to understand before the cross of Jesus Christ, I began to understand the grace of God. So today, will you receive grace of the living God? Will you recognize that he is your king of king and Lord of lords, but place him there. Make him your king. He is, he is the good shepherd. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that throughout scripture, we see time and time again the evidence that points to Jesus. We thank you that we can sit here today and be, re- and, and be assured that you are the Messiah that was to come. That we are not waiting for something else that right now is our moment to say yes to you and to, and to build your kingdom. Because everything, on every Sunday morning and every time we read the gospel, we can be encouraged, we can be challenged, we can be empowered, but, but this word was meant to be to deliver to us a choice, to deliver options, to give us perspective to see the ways of this world and give us perspective to see the character, the nature of the living God and the path of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So it always comes down to choice. And all across this room, your church is always faced with a choice. Am I choosing you now? Or am I my own king? Am I choosing you now or am I, per, or am I pursuing stuff and the ambitions, the selfish ambitions of man? And our Lord, are you truly my king of kings and Lord of lords? And in any moment, we can return to you. So today, all across this place, may we receive the grace of God and say yes to our king of kings and Lord of lords. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to invite you this morning to stand for your benediction. May you receive the lion of the tribe of Judah, the good shepherd and your king of kings and lord of lords, as you live to build his kingdom here on this earth. God bless you and have a wonderful week.